I started working and continued working a program of recovery. And I think that's key is continue working it. The more I peel back these layers, it truly is like an onion or like a flower unfolding because the more work I do, the more my outlook on life changed, the more I show up to any situation in my life. I'm asking God throughout the day, how can I add to the situation instead of my own selfish needs? How can I be of service to others? How can I be more kind and loving and more understanding and less judgmental and That has only happened by finding this program of recovery, but keep working it. Well, hello, friends of Bill W. and other friends. You have landed on Sober Speak. My name is John M. I am an alcoholic, and we are glad you are all here, especially newcomers. Newcomers, that is, both to recovery as a whole and newcomers to this podcast. Sober Speak is a podcast about recovery centered around the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. My job here on Sober Speak is simple. My job is to provide a platform to the amazing stories of recovery all around us. Consider Sober Speak, if you will, your meeting between meetings. Please remember, we do not speak for AA or any 12-step community. We represent only ourselves. We are here to share our experience, strength, and hope with those who wish to come along for the ride, take what you want, and leave the rest at the curb for the trash man to pick up. Well, howdy, lords and ladies out there. That was the voice of Miss Dawn C that you heard at the beginning of this episode and more about Dawn C in just a moment. But you know what? I just thought about something. I just said, howdy, lords and ladies. I think I put the lords and ladies in there for the folks that listen that are across the pond in the United Kingdom. But howdy and lords and ladies really do not go together. So maybe I should say greetings, lords and ladies. That was the voice of Dawn C that you heard at the beginning of this episode. But nonetheless, all right, let's talk about Dawn here a little bit before we get started. Uh, Dawn C., is coming right upon 10 years sober, and she is still on fire, as will be very apparent as you listen to the episode itself. So we're going to talk about several things. She, I say we, she talks about working with other alcoholics. She talks about steps 10 and 11 journals. Uh, we discuss meditation, uh, and she also discusses putting recoveries first, no matter what. Um, I even throw out some questions to Ms. Dawn from the Facebook group, and apparently she is an ordained minister, and I had no idea. I know you're going to just soak up this entire episode. So, I've had a pretty good day so far. Um, I was thinking about this, and uh, I had a real good in-depth conversations conversation with one of my friends, Steve, Steve G, today uh, after uh, an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. Uh, it was so great to see him. And then I was driving home, and while I was driving home, I heard the song, Pretty Woman, 
as performed by Van Halen. They didn't write the song. I think it was Roy Orbison. Is it Orbison or Orbison? I think it's Orbison. Anyway, uh, the song Pretty Woman that Van Halen performs, and it actually got me just in the best mood. I don't know why. Just pretty woman, won't you walk on by? I just, I love, now that's me doing Roy Orbison's voice, but Van Halen was actually singing it. Nonetheless, um, I was also thinking on the way home, though, I was going, okay, it's time for me to make another introduction to uh, this podcast so we can get Dawn C released this weekend. And, um, and I thought to myself again, I thought to myself, I got nothing. Not I got nothing, but I got nothing in U-T-H-I-N apostrophe. So this happens every week. And I thought to myself, okay, just sit down, start talking, think a little bit about what you're going to say, and just let it roll here, John. And I can tell you that before I started this episode, I actually sat down at my mic here, and I have a bottle of essential oil. (laughs) And I took a big old whiff of that essential oil. Now, this is much, much better than the things I used to whiff uh, back in the day. In fact, my friend Gary K was here recently. Not Gary K. Uh, no, no, no. Gary K. Yes, yes, Gary K. He was here and he saw this bottle of essential oil that I keep on the desk and he said it reminded him of a locker room. And I had not thought about locker room in the longest time. And if you don't know what locker room is, don't worry about it. It is best you don't know. Uh, but anyway, it does look like a bottle of locker room. So I can say this, I'm not going to have to change my sobriety date for taking a couple of sniffs of this essential oil before I get going on uh, the podcast itself. But anyway, so I sit down, I do a little prayer, I sniff a little essential oil to kind of clear my mind a little bit and I just let it rip. And, um, So when I was thinking about not having something to say, I thought to myself about, or I thought about that, uh, there is a a quote, and it's something like, perfection is the enemy of progress, or perfection is the enemy of getting things done, and and that's how I feel sometimes about this podcast. You know, I think I need to be perfect with it, but it doesn't have to be perfect, right? I make all kinds of flaws throughout this thing. I make all sorts of mistakes, but it doesn't have to be perfect. And I have a dovetail here that I'm going into, or I have a segue, I, sh- I should say. It dovetails nicely into this, and that is recovery. Recovery is the same way. I have seen so, so many people freeze up, including myself, because they think they won't do it right, or somehow they're going to mess things up, or maybe other people do it better, or what will happen if I, I start this recovery and it doesn't work for me like it does for many others, right? The point is, is that I don't have to wait until I all have, have it all figured out to make a beginning. In fact, I have to learn to live inside the messiness, and sometimes recovery is going to be awkward. It many times is. It always has been for me. I can't tell you how many. I've made more mistakes sober. Well, I don't know if I want to say more mistakes. I've made a lot of mistakes sober 
than I did uh, when I was drinking. And um, so the idea is just to go out there and get messy and try it and make a beginning. So just a quick, a, cu- a couple quick announcements. Oh, then I want to read something from the Facebook group and we'll get on to Miss Dawn C. Okay. There is a difference folks. Just in case you're out there in the Facebook world, there is a difference between the sober speak page and the sober speak secret Facebook group. Now we had a gentleman within inside the sober speak Facebook group recently who made a post And uh, uh, he thought he was posting it inside the secret Facebook group for only those folks to see, but it ended up, it was on the Sober Speak page and it went out to people he didn't want it to go out to. And I felt so, so bad for him. I don't want to say his name on the podcast here because I hadn't asked his permission to do that. He probably wouldn't mind, but nonetheless, um, uh, but I just want you all to know if you're making a post, please make sure you are in the Sober Speak Sober Speak Secret Facebook group, all right? So uh, that's one announcement. The other announcement is, we talked about this last week, but one more time, we are going to have a shindig. And when I say a shindig, we're going to have Sober Speak Live featuring, and I'm going to call this an evening with... Mr. Jimmy D. It sounds much more, I don't know, classy or something that way, doesn't it? Anyway, it's on Friday, August 30th at 7 p.m. at the Grace Avenue United Methodist Church in Frisco, Texas. Uh, If you're on Instagram or if you don't follow us on Instagram, you can see the post on there about it. But I'm an at SoberSpeak, all one word. Um, We'd love to have you follow us there. Uh, We're also posting it on Facebook and uh, uh, and I'll send out an email about it if If you're not on the email list and or you want to be in the secret Facebook group, send me an email to John, J-O-H-N, at SoberSpeak.com. I would love to hear from you. And speaking of the Facebook group, Julie was in the super was in the the Facebook group this week, and you know I <laughs> I, I slip every once in a while because Mr. Dave in the group one day said, "Hey, I'm part of the super secret Facebook group," just kind of tongue in cheek. And so now I, I I don't know why, but but I, I slip up a lot as opposed to calling it the secret Facebook group. I call it the super secret Facebook group. <laughs> It's just a bunch of drunks and other 12-step people hanging out in there. Uh, It's no big deal, but uh, we'd love to have you in there along for the ride. But anyway, Julie posted a couple things in there this week that I absolutely love. Now, I got to tell you, we get a lot of things posted in there. And every week I'm I'm saying, okay, I want to take one or two things out of here and uh, uh, read it. Uh, on the podcast. Uh, and so that this is what I'm doing this week. But I got to tell you, it is tough to sift through as much good stuff uh, that is in there and pick out one or two of these. But uh, Julie posted in here, she wrote, she wrote, alcohol may temporarily numb the pain, but it will ultimately make things much, much worse. Sobriety may temporarily be uncomfortable, but it will ultimately make things much, much better. And I love that. And she also posted this. This too shall pass. When things are bad, remember, it won't always be this way. Take one day at a time. When things are good, remember, 
It won't always be this way. Enjoy every great moment. So I have to ask myself, am I enjoying every great moment? Am I making sure it doesn't pass me by? Am I remembering that when my emotions and my thought process tells me that things are bad, that it won't always be this way, and that I can take it one day at a time? Thanks, Miss Julie, for posting that in the super secret Facebook group. All right, everybody. Now, on to Miss Dawn C. And we will have some additional listener feedback at the end of this episode. Enjoy Dawn C. Okay, everybody. So today we are sitting here with Ms. Dawn, D-A-W-N, not D-O-N, Ms. Dawn C. Can you say hello, Ms. Dawn? Good afternoon, John. Happy to be here. Glad to have you aboard. All right. So first things first for the group, for the group. Uh, this is here for the audience. Uh, a lot of times we're sitting in the same group together mm-hmm. and you're introducing yourself to the group. But in this particular case, you're introducing yourself to the Sober Speak audience across the four corners of the world. What is your sobriety date, Ms. Dawn? Because of God and Alcoholics Anonymous, I've been sober since July 20th, 2009. So you are coming up on a decade here very soon. Am I'm I correct? so excited. Like, yeah. I can't believe it's 10 years. Like, I'm like vibrating with excitement. <laughs> I've been telling my husband for a long time that he doesn't have to throw me a party till I turn 10. So <laughs> it's time for the party. I can't believe it's been 10 years. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> and that's for this. See, just your spirit and what you said there at the beginning of this is the main reason I wanted you back on Sober Speak is because of your genuine, absolutely genuine enthusiasm for the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. It just oozes Mm -hmm. out of you, Ms. Dawn, and I I think that's a, a wonderful quality to have. Dawn, this is Dawn's second round on uh, the on the podcast and the first podcast that she did here, the first episode that she did was episode number thirteen. Did I say that episode or number fifteen? Fifteen. Episode number fifteen, and it is called Don C. Psycho Girlfriend Turns AA Fanatic. <laughs> so. Let's just, I don't want to go back through your entire story again, and I'm going to tell people what we're doing here with this episode in just a moment, but just the, first of all, the title of that, Mm. can you kind of give people a thumbnail sketch of why we entitled that Psycho Girlfriend Turns AA Fanatic? Let's just say that it results, a combination of my insecurity, my extreme desire to have everything the way I wanted it, and combine that with a lot of alcohol infusion caused me to be mm, a little bit of a crazy girlfriend and uh, wife to my first husband. And and there were a lot of circumstances which were uh, crazy and rather psycho um, on my behalf. And I can see it clearly now since I'm living such a vastly different way of life in life and in relationship with my husband. So, and, and I think that a lot of, um, 
a lot of people are going to be able to relate to that psycho girlfriend living one way of life. And I don't want to do the entire story again, but you definitely, I, what did you, I've heard you say in a meeting before something about, and this was not really about the, the guys, but it was the fact that you would go into the bathroom with another girl from work that you were working with mm, and you would have yeah. incidents where you kind of broke down. It happened a lot, unfortunately, in business. Um, I had a lot of corporate happy hours and corporate dinners, and somehow by the end of the night, many, many, many glasses of wine in, my everything would just come raw and open, and I would end up in the restroom with some girl I knew from either a client or a coworker or a vendor bawling saying but why don't you like me and they're like what are you talking about and I'm like no 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 tell me I can tell I know you don't like me because of the way you looked at me in the hallway or because of the way you didn't sit next to me just now in the bar or whatever and just my huge amount of insecurity combined with a vast amount of alcohol would always come out with me making a complete uh jerk of myself that's of, fine uh, <laughs> you, you could use cuss words if you want <laughs> I, know, I wasn't sure <laughs> complete ass of myself yeah on a regular basis um because i didn't know how to interact with other women yeah. until i got sober like yeah. at all they were all either better than me or not as good as me and the ones i perceived as better than me i wanted to figure out how to fix it and so i'd get drunk and make an ass of myself all right, so what we wanted to do today, or what I asked Don to do today, is to come over here to uh, record an episode, and I wanted to kind of uh, explore a little bit, as most of you will know who are listening to this, uh, unless you're brand new, and by the way, if you are brand new, we're glad you're here. Um, I, I usually will take an individual and kind of dive deeper into their story, much like you would see at a speaker meeting or an open meeting or whatever they call our lead in Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, but in this particular case, I had seen Don sharing a meeting and, and how we do it down here in Texas. Every place is a little bit different is that somebody, in this case, it was Don, will sign up to chair a meeting for like the four Tuesdays of the month. And I had seen Don sharing uh, a meeting for four Tuesdays. And every time that she came up with a topic, it was absolutely wonderful. She put passion behind it. She gave a lot of thought to it. Uh, it really uh, instigated a lot of uh, a conversation within the group. And I thought, well, why don't we have Don come in and just do a, a an episode that addresses various topics, if you will, within Alcoholics Anonymous and Alcoholics Anonymous meetings. And thus, she is sitting here today. So the first topic that I wanted to go across with uh, Dawn, uh, did I say go across, that I wanted to bring up with Dawn, is going to be the topic of uh, complacency and being, I guess what you would call all in. And there's a big thing going around our group right now. In fact, I hear Dawn say it on a consistent <laughs> basis and I like it. It says, why don't you come all the way in? And sit all the way mm -hmm. down. So just in general, Don, on that topic of complacency within Alcoholics Anonymous, can you share your thoughts? You bet. So there's complacency and there's also 
something kind of similar that people talk about in doing two steppings where you're really, you go through the steps and you've gotten sober, but you're just going to meetings and working with others. Um, or in general, being complacent with your program. Because once we get sober, our lives get so much better, like so much better. Our finances straighten out, our relationships straighten out, our legal problems straighten out, our jobs straighten out, everything gets so much better that it's hard to justify why we want to continue to go to meetings every day. And why do we want to spend all this time being of service and helping others and doing all this stuff when we have all this great life stuff going on now? Right. Um, and so it's easy for a lot of people to put the program on the second burner and not keep it forefront in our lives um, and become complacent and not go to meetings very often and not take the time to work with others and not be involved in service. And so to me, all in is when in our recovery, recovery stays first, no matter what, whether I've been here 30 days and my ass is on fire, or I've been here nine years and 11 months and my life is fantastic. Um, so all in to me is always going to a meeting at least every other day, just because it, I have made sobriety a way of life. It's not whether or not I feel like I need a meeting. I I schedule it on my week every week, just like I do my appointments that I have to do for work. It's, it's always a part of my schedule. Um, it's always, always, always being active in the steps because working the steps is where I get to see truths about myself, where I'm really looking at what my motives are in every situation and where am I being dishonest with myself about things. Um, it's always talking to other people in the program. I don't think... In the past nine and a half years, I've ever gone a day without talking to at least three people that are in the program and sober. And that connection helps me so much, whether it's me thinking I'm talking to them to help them or them helping me, it always all ends up being helpful, right, in my recovery. Um, all in is also always having a service commitment to my group. And, and it can be whatever feels good. I've learned that it... So a lot of people say in A that we don't say no. And my view on that has come to change lately that it's okay to do the things in service that feel good. I enjoy greeting and giving people hugs and welcoming them. I don't enjoy making coffee. Um, I don't enjoy sharing my story from the podium, but I love chairing meetings, right? So I have come to believe that we don't, we don't necessarily have to do every single thing that's asked if we're active in our program, but we can find the things that bring us joy, right? Um, and do those things, but always be of service to Alcoholics Anonymous because it changed my life. Everybody can uh, find something that they're drawn to if mm -hmm. they look hard enough. And, and you're right. You know, those GSR meetings and stuff like <laughs> that, man. Oh, man, put a bullet in my head. But I, I really, really appreciate the people that go out and do it because I know it needs to get done. You know, right. it, it's a wonderful thing. And, and I do want to bring this up also. And that is we've talked before in that you are an interesting sort of personality in terms of your, in terms of your introversion, extroversion, whatever you want to call this. And that is you can come here, sit down with me and we can record a podcast and you're not nervous at all. You can share a mm -hmm. meeting, but tell people what happens to you when you are asked to quote, speak at a meeting at an open meeting. Yeah. I get physically ill. Like to stand up behind the podium and share my story in front of 
a group of people. I have more anxiety than maybe I've ever experienced in my life for a good seven days before my stomach is a wreck. I am physically ill at standing up and sharing my story, but sitting down and sharing a meeting or sitting one-on-one with you and sharing the stuff I'm passionate about, there's no nerves involved. And um, a few weeks ago, I was asked to share my story. And I said, okay, because people have told me in the past, you don't say no. And um, it just coincidentally happened to be the first time I was going to be officiating a wedding that day. One of my friends in Alcoholics Anonymous also asked me to marry her. Wait, wait, hold on. Just real quick. I'm also an ordained minister, John. (laughs) So so you are an ordained... Now, do you do this on a regular basis? <laughs> that was my first one, but now I've been asked to do another one next Saturday with another friend in our group um, at my house. Really? Yeah. Like, talk about bringing me joy. This stuff lights me up. I love weddings, and I love love. <laughs> so I'm so excited. So first of all, how do you get ordained? Is it online nowadays? It turns out you fill out a form online and pay $35, and in return, I have a badge that says I'm clergy, and I have a certificate that says I'm an ordained minister. <laughs> Well, I'll just start calling you Minister Dawn, I guess. So, yeah, I'm available for weddings, vow renewals, and funerals at your service. (laughs) And it brings me joy. That's great. So, you've only done a wedding thus far, though, right? I I probably wouldn't get joy out of funerals, but the wedding part is, like, super exciting to me. So, do you come up with all the stuff on the front end to say, you know... Uh, we work together on the first one to collaborate because, um, you know, some people want it more about love. Some people want more about God. Some people care more about family. And, and so I sat down last night with this couple that's getting married next Saturday and kind of felt them out. And we're putting together our own format and customizing. It, and that stuff's just fun. It's just cool. Okay, but there's no anxiety in that. None. It's wild. And I'm standing up in front of a group, so it's wild because it's just weddings are magical. So what is the difference then between... Yeah, I don't know. I don't like sharing my story, and I don't like giving presentations to large groups at work. So something about standing up for a big group. So since I was going to be sharing my story the same day as the wedding, a few days before in meditation, I felt like God said to me, it is okay to not do this, to share my story that day. I did not want to bring that nervous, uncomfortable energy into something as beautiful as a wedding. And since I'm fortunate enough that my husband's so burned in the program, um, I was able to just ask him to cover for me and just show up and say, by the way, it's not going to be me. It's going to be him and it'll be wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Mm -hmm. All right. So uh, speaking of meditation, Mm -hmm. I know that you, you like meditation, you just talk about your experience with meditation. You know, as you know, it's a different journey for everybody in this arena. But talk about your experience with meditation and and how it's helped you throughout sobriety. When I got sober, there was no way in the world I was going to quiet my mind. That was not happening. And I just explained to people, my mind just doesn't slow down. It's not going to happen. And I met somebody in the program early on who gave me some CDs at the time, right? Back when we carried CDs around. Um, of guided, Cassette tapes at one point. Right. But these were guided meditations on CDs. And it's situations where they're like taking you up to where the angels are and hanging out with them. Or going to a secret garden 
that's super peaceful and just hearing the sounds of the birds and trees around you. And I could do these 20 minute guided meditations and go to a different place that was more peace than I'd ever experienced. And so that worked for me wonderfully for the first few years I was sober in doing these guided meditations where I just found a new level of relaxation and connection. Um, and since then, I've been a constant seeker of new ways to meditate. I just finished a book last week called Stress Less, Accomplish More. And it's, um, it's a specific meditation style that's twice a day, 15 minutes each time, morning and late afternoon. But it's um, focusing first on mindfulness for two minutes in, in all five senses, like focusing on what do I hear close and far away? What do I see with my eyes? What do I feel with my body? What do I taste in my mouth? And then moving into a meditative state where you're just saying one word over and over for 10 minutes. Like a mantra, right? A mantra, 100%. And I really enjoy mantra meditations. They, they help take me to a different place spiritually. And realizing I'm not doing meditation wrong if I have thoughts, Like that's normal. Our brain has thoughts and we can just watch them pass like clouds and redirect ourselves back to a mantra. And then the last minute after we finish that 10 is to focus on gratitude and really just feel in our soul something that we are so incredibly grateful for. What's your, what's your mantra word? Do you, uh, or is there one that you use? Are there several that you use? So I'm just going to start with this. The, the word she recommends in the book is just start with the word one. Um, I've used OM or there's a couple, you know, that are kind of universal words for God. Um, so I'm, I'm actually working on that. Right, trying to figure out what is my word that speaks most Okay, so to eventually me. you find a word that's specifically mm-hmm. to you every time, but you Absolutely. experiment with different words, like mm-hmm. love or God or one or Like when I was doing one this past week, O-N-E, it occurred to me as I'm doing this mantra over and over, um, one is also W-O-N, one. Like I never realized they're mm-hmm. the same word verbally. So anyway, it's just interesting as, as we go into the state of, mantras. I really, really enjoy that. I've actually found quite a bit of music that speaks to me spiritually and we'll do singing sometimes in meditation. Really? Um, So you will be... And I'm not a singer. Right. But this music is very spiritual and so powerful that singing the mantras along with this lady's voice um, just takes me to that fourth dimension. Wow. Powerfully. Yeah. That's great. So I love constantly expanding... My meditation and changing it up every year or whenever it feels like it needs to, because we have to keep growing spiritually. That's what this whole deal's about. And if I'm always doing the same thing, I'm not growing. I think the the point behind this would be, and this is what I hope the listeners will get out of this, and that is to just to seek and to try and to look at different ways. And, you know, and it may not be what Don finds in terms of, you know, the, the one or the, uh, the various different types of ways that she tries, but, but there is a way for everybody. If you just look and you just seek and you try it, you know, I now have been doing meditation for, I'd say I'd over the last year or so, maybe a year and a half, or, um, I have probably missed, one day, two days at the most of uh, doing uh, meditation every day. And I've been sober for quite some time, so that didn't start until just recently. And I usually do 30, 45 minutes every day, and I'm like going, wow, why did I why did I not do this sooner? It's like when I had kids. I was like, wow, why didn't I do this sooner? <laughs> you know, this is great. 
But well, you know what's cool about that? Like I know some people who are very tied in with specific religions and they've been able to find meditations like on YouTube where it's singing the St. Francis prayer or different prayers that are aligned with their religion. So whatever speaks to us, we can find it. And with the tools we have with the Insight Timer app or with YouTube, there's just so many resources that we can find anything that speaks to our soul. And that's what works. Whatever speaks to your soul. That's right. Okay, so we have some Facebook questions in our secret Facebook group. I think you're part of that. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Okay. If you want to look for Dawn C in there, you'll see her. Uh, So in our Facebook group, we have some questions that have come up. Uh, that I have put out there before. I said, hey, if they have anything that you want me to ask the guests, please let me know. Jonathan wrote in and he said, what brings you joy in the program and in life? So, you know, so much of my behavior before I got sober stirs up a lot of shame. I... I was four months into my first marriage when I started having an affair and I lost custody of my kids as a very young adult. And there's so many decisions I made that are super shameful and make me feel terrible about myself. Um, And so really one of the favorite thing, my thing that brings me the most joy in this program is I can see tangibly how my experience can help others. Like I can share with a newcomer. I've been exactly where you're at. I, that they can be making these terrible decisions in their life that they think no one understands how bad they feel, why they have to drink. And I get it. Like I really get it. Cause I have, I've been that person that I pretty much deplore and through God's help been able to become someone completely different. Um, and seeing how God and Alcoholics Anonymous helped me do that. But like God, like we don't always get to see how our experience helps others, but man, in this program, I've gotten to firsthand see a lot of times where people are like, no way you did that, you know, and you've been there and getting to see how I experience others, man, that brings me so much joy every day. Um, another thing is, is being an honest person today. And I found that in the program, but like, I still get excited every time my husband picks up my phone to look at something and I'm thinking, <laughs> I have nothing to hide. That's <laughs> right. right. Nothing. No texts I got, no pictures, nothing to hide. And I haven't ever been dishonest or unfaithful with Greg in the 10 years we've been together, but it was still so ingrained for me from the person I used to be that I was always hiding stuff and being dishonest that, man, it brings me joy to be an honest person today, that my talk matches my walk. And I learned that in AA how to do it because I didn't know how to do it before. I wanted to. I wanted to be a good person. I didn't know how. Um, just not having to hide anything, being reliable. Like if I say I'm going to be there, everyone in my life, business, networking, Alcoholics Anonymous, family, they know I'm going to show up when I say I'm going to show up. And man, that brings me joy, knowing that people can count on me. Um, really, it's just the overall feeling like a good human being. It's fantastic. And I didn't have that before. Thank you. So thank you for that question, Jonathan. Uh, here's another one that I wanted to get out here. And that is from Tammy. Tammy says, as a parent of an adult 23 year old alcoholic. Okay, so this is coming from an Al-Anon uh, viewpoint. 
what is the thing a parent can do during active drinking? Yeah, um, our kids' active drinking, I'm assuming, is what she means. Correct. Yeah, and I have a son who has been in active alcoholism for about eight years, and it's been gut-wrenching. Um, and I think the best thing we can do is dig into our own programs. I really do. My passion for AA like tripled a few years ago when my son was really struggling. Cause I realized in my core, I can't help him. Like I, for a while, I really thought I, I have the experience. I found sobriety. I can help him and show him the light and show him the way. And I realized even I can't. And so I now feel this intense responsibility to make sure those doors are open, those seats are warm, that coffee's there, a message being spread, because I've got to make sure my, no matter when it is that my kid decides to get sober or where he decides to get sober, I'm doing my part wherever I'm standing right now to make sure A is there and healthy and then trust God with the rest because there's nothing I can do. And I have started doing Al-Anon just in this past year. Um, I've decided to add an Al-Anon program to mine. So I have found a sponsor that does a and Al-Anon and I'm working the Al-Anon steps with her as well. And that's been helpful in a different way. Okay. So we will be continuing our conversation with Don C in just a moment. Just a reminder, you are listening to Sober Speak. You can find us on the web at SoberSpeak.com. Um, there you will find approximately 85 or so other episodes you can listen to. Uh, you can also find the donate button on our website, which you can use if and only if the spirit moves you to do such. Please keep in mind, this is a podcast funded by you, the listener. Sober Speak is a self-supporting organization through our own contributions. We are not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organization, or institution, we do not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorse nor oppose any causes. All right. Now, back to Miss Dawn C. All right. So another subject that I wanted to bring up with you is that line in the uh, the, the book, it says, uh, working with others, uh, in, in the chapter, excuse me, called Working with Others. And I believe it says, I may not have this exact, nothing so much ensures immunity from drinking as intensive work with other alcoholics. And I know that you believe in that. I know that you practice it. Can you share your your thought process on that? Yeah, this has been a rocking part of my recovery. I started sponsoring other women when I had been in sober about five months. Um, And there are so many times in my first year um, that I desperately wanted and needed to drink and working with others is what changed it because I had a commitment to meet with somebody or I'm talking to someone and I hear myself saying to them what God needs me to hear. And that's like, I feel like working with others is a secret sauce that really puts the sauce on top of the meal that seals the deal because it doesn't say convenient work with other alcoholics. Ah. It says intensive work with other alcoholics. Intensive. Like, I have a full-time job. I have a huge family. I have a lot going on. But almost every day I meet someone else for step work to help them find the solution I have found. And it's not convenient. Like, I'm too busy, frankly. But I find that as long as I continue to put that first and help others anytime they ask, God works out everything else in my life. It makes time for everything else. So uh, working with other alcoholics is amazing. I always get exactly what I need out of it. 
even the hard relationships. I'm learning the lessons I need to learn. Another uh, subject or topic that I wanted to bring up with you here is the one uh, regarding, uh, there's something in step 10 where it talks about vigorously commencing this way of life. Now, you've already kind of uh, touched on it in general, right? Uh, Vigorously commencing this way of life. So talk about that a little bit for me. Yeah, to me, this way of life is like a lifestyle and habit of sobriety and recovery that we have. But the way of life I found in AA by practicing these principles is a way of life that's honest, right? So I'm being rigorously honest with others, with myself. I'm constantly checking my motives in every situation. It's it's a completely different way of life than anything I've ever experienced before. You know, I always say it's about like when you're going from one way of life where you knew everything about how to live that way of life and all the deceit and worry and covering up and everything like that. And then you come over here into this other area and I absolutely knew nothing about how to live this way of life. And I had to be taught, you know, from the ground up. And I guess the most powerful part of it is I now trust that God's got everything like every little thing so like for example i've got a house here that's been on the market for 90 days and it is stressful because we've moved but oh yeah i don't have to be stressed god's got it god's got a plan right and i've got an irs misunderstanding that's rather big and scary but oh yeah god's got it like it doesn't matter if it's something sobriety related if it's my kids no matter what god's got it no matter what god that's a different way of life (laughs) Okay, so I want to go back to the questions from the Facebook group here again. So Jim had written a question in there, and he said, uh, in addition to achieving and maintaining sobriety and working our steps, what can your guest, in this case, Ms. Dawn C., tell us to equip us to help our home groups and our sponsees when we sponsor be as effective as they can be so i guess it's kind of a question of about the home groups sponsors sponsees how do these home groups be effective and you i know you've you're you are very active within our home group so can you address that a little bit Yeah, it's really about showing up, like showing up for group conscience, whether it's comfortable or not, and, and being willing to vote and have a voice in how are we best serving the newcomer, Um, being willing to have a service commitment, a lot of people shy away from group conscience, because it can be controversial. But realizing that this is our group, and we have to show up to figure out how to serve and just keep the doors open. And as far as sponsees, it's the same thing. Teaching, I see a lot of people in AA only when they sponsor, take people through the steps. And the steps are our foundation for life, right? Incredible. But if, but next we need to be teaching people the traditions and how do we keep groups together and healthy? And then next we need to be taking people through the books, the 12 concepts of world service and understand how the service structure works. And, and I think a lot of times those three legacies get missed and people go through the steps, they get sober, life gets better and they move on and really keeping people engaged and helping them understand the importance of working the steps regularly understanding and teaching others the traditions, being willing to go through a study of the concepts, even though it's dry, like it's critical to our overall survival. 
So there are going to be people out there listening who are familiar with the steps and maybe they're kind of dipping their foot in the pool, if you will, with uh, the program of Alcoholics Anonymous or just 12 steps in general. And when you say the traditions, they may or may not have an idea of exactly what those are about. So can you give a, a summary of the traditions, why the traditions are there? I, I, you know, I don't know how much of a historian you are with those, and I don't want to put you on the mm-hmm. spot, but talk about the traditions for just a moment. Yeah, I don't know at what point. I think it, uh, it had been around somewhere between five and ten years, maybe, when they realized that it was kind of the wild, wild west out there as to what groups were doing across the U.S. as they just kept spreading. The 1950s, right? I think Throughout it was 1955, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Um, and so at one point, the General Service Office in New York asked all the groups to send in their rules. And what are your group rules so they could see how things were doing it? And they were quite alarmed when they saw that there were groups that got together and drank beer together. There were groups that didn't allow women. There were groups that didn't allow races. There were groups that were doing all sorts of crazy stuff. And they're like, whoa, this is not what we intended. We started Alcoholics Anonymous groups. And so since we alcoholics don't do well with rules, they came up with the traditions, which are principles that they are highly suggesting, just like we suggest alcoholics work the steps, that each group follow so that we all have common principles as a group that we're living by. Um, No alcoholic can be denied to be able to be a part of each group and that our common welfare comes first and unity and all these things that are so important. And that's, that's what's kept us together versus the other groups that didn't make it the Oxford groups and the Washingtonians before AA came along. I think you did very good with that. Right. The, the, the traditions are in essence about keeping the groups together uh, and the recovery and the 12 steps are about, you know, personal recovery, but we need the group to be there and to be alive so we can experience personal recovery. All right. So there is another subject that I believe I heard you bringing up during one of those meetings where I said, Hey, let's do a topic meeting. And I'm pretty sure it was the great reality deep down within us, which is a line from the book. I can't remember exactly where it is. Do you know where that line is? Yeah, on page 55, when it's talking about finding faith and we agnostics. So we finally found that that God was as much a fact as we were, and we found the great reality. And they, they capitalized the words great and the cap- words reality, and I love how they do that in the big book where they capitalize any word that you can use for God, if that's more comfortable to you, based on any historical prejudices we may have. But we found the great reality deep down within this. In the last analysis, it's only there he can be found. And so the way I was raised, God was up way up in the sky and far away and judging, and I couldn't ever do it right. And it's in AA that I learned that God's deep down inside me. God is my intuition. When I when I had that feeling that something's off or I don't know how to handle a situation or I actually do, you know, and I don't know if I should listen to it, that's God inside me. But God's not just inside me. He's all around me. So God is in the birds and the trees and the sky and the wind. And God is outside everywhere. And it's inside me and he's inside you. And so I can hear him through you when I listen to you speak. And I can feel him inside when I meditate and get quiet. And that great reality is deep down within. And I found that here. Just so awesome. Isn't that beautiful? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I, I want to I want to address this a little bit. Because you have referenced it already. And that is... 
you uh, experienced relationships as a psycho girlfriend, <laughs> and now you have been with your husband, Greg, for 10 years. How many of those years have you been married? Eight. Eight. So you've been married to your husband, Greg, mm-hmm. who is in the program. By the way, that's another episode. If you <laughs> want to go to Greg C., the gratitude man. I'm not looking at the episode number right now, but uh, he's the only Greg C. gratitude man on there. Uh, so you all have been married in sobriety for eight years. Uh, and there are a lot of people, and I was one of these, by the way, who thought to myself, mm, you know, I'm gonna get it. I'm 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 having a I'm having a good ride here in Alcoholics Anonymous, but maybe I am just one of these people who is broken. Uh, I can't have a relationship with another human being. Looks like maybe I'm just gonna be single for the rest mm-hmm. of my life, and I am going to do my best in AA. And this is my lot in life. This must be who God called me to be. Which there, by the way. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I found my wife. Uh, and, and, you know, my wife is also an Alcoholics Anonymous, as you know. You know, you see it both ways. You see people who find folks in AA and they have a great run of it. And you see other people who find people in AA and they don't have such a mm-hmm. great run of it. And that's okay, too. So there's no magic pill here. But talk about marriage in sobriety, what your thought process was going into it this time, and just give some of your thoughts around that. There is no doubt in my mind that God put Greg in my life. Because of the way it all happened, it was just a really weird circumstance. I I had to rent a house sight unseen because of this crazy time frame of what had happened. And I move into this house, and I'm next door to him and meet him moving in next door. Um, and instantly our kids were inseparable. Like just, it was so obvious with the string of odd circumstances that God put him in my life. I love how I was talking to a friend about this the other day, my first sex ideal that I did my first few months in the program. And so for people who may not know exactly what you're talking about there, go ahead and explain to them what you mean by sex ideal. Yeah. When we go through and after we do our fourth step and do step five, then we put together an ideal, whether we're single or married or in a relationship, it doesn't matter of everything I want in a relationship. And it's what I want in him, but it's also who do I want to be? And then we have something to take to God to say, okay, this is what I'm looking for. This is my ideal relationship. Um, And a lot of it was the type of woman I wanted to be. Um, But then a lot of it was what I want in a guy, right? And this is why uh, I love here Dawn talking about the program is because she's what she's talking about here, folks, just in case you're not there, is she does the work. This is all right out of the big book, and she's, and she's doing the work. She's doing what it says to do in the big book. She's taking the direction. She's writing it down. She's looking at it. She's processing it. She's thinking about it. She's doing the work. All right, so mm-hmm. you had written down your sex ideal. Yeah, so it was about 18 months later that Greg plops next door to me into my life, and we start dating, and it was a rocky first year. It was a rough time with my kids and different stuff going on, and um, and we decided about a year later to get engaged, and I, I came back across my sex ideal and went over it, and like I now have in a relationship everything I was ever looking for, and a whole lot more. I mean, I would have totally shorted myself if I just stuck with that list, but have found just incredible amounts of 
trust and affection and partnership, right? I love being married to someone in an AA. We've been really lucky and that not everyone's like this, but we've been really lucky that we've always stayed out of each other's programs. I'm super intentional about how many meetings I go to every week and I am with my sponsees and with my sponsor, but I couldn't tell you how many he goes to. Like I just, I stay out of it and vice versa. Um, we just started meditating together every day in, I think it was September, October. That was not part of our story. We each did our own things, but we started meditating every day and we started doing inventory together every day and sharing those with one another and it has skyrocketed things. Really? So talk to me about that, doing an inventory together and sharing. Well, we each each do our written inventory from our day and then we share what we wrote, like what stirred me up, what pissed me off, you know, occasionally it's about him. It's usually not. Um, but how am I feeling about that stuff? And what am I asking for God's help with? And like, I know on a daily basis, what his workday looks like, what he goes through, but hearing like the things that bothered him and how he feels about that stuff we don't typically share, right? A lot of people don't even write it down, but writing it down and sharing it with someone has been really, really cool. Really, really cool. So do you use a particular format? Are you working right out of the book in terms of uh, whatever you're using to take those inventories? It's exactly the questions out of the book. I've created my own journal that I print up that asks the questions out of the book that we answer. I incorporate part of the 12 and 12 into it where it's actually like a ledger board because you know, we don't want to get into morbid reflection and only focus on where was I selfish, self-seeking, acting in fear, dishonest, but I want to also look at what I did right. So on one side, I write the positive, which is every time I talk to another alcoholic, did I go to a meeting? Was I of service? But then anything else, like, was I generous with friends? Did I do stuff at work I didn't want to do? Did I cook because I hate to cook? Like anything I perceive as positive, right, in my own behavior. And then um, any ask God to show me where was I selfish and where was I acting out of fear and where was I not honest, even if it's just with myself, and answering the questions that they have laid out. And so I've made this into a journal and I used to make them for sponsees and then they wanted them for their sponsees. And now I have about 40 people at the group we go to that constantly come to me asking for journals. Really? So it's really neat. Okay. So now I I think I have heard something about this. Do do you, do you distribute these things to, to various people somehow if they, if they want them? Yeah, I used to just be running to Staples all the time and paying for them all myself. And so I'm almost done now with a website. Sober Buzz is the company name where I'll have where people can order inventory journals. And so it has instructions for our nightly inventory. And then it also has instructions for our morning So it's, you know, once we do our meditation, it has a big spot for a gratitude list because that's been integral to me in my sobriety is focusing on gratitude. And then it has the questions we ask where do I have any, what are my plans for the day? Do I have any self-seeking motives and stuff like that? Okay. So I don't, I want people to know, you know, just because of the, I kind of try to honor the traditions here on uh, the sober speak, there is no... I don't officially endorse any of this, but I want people to know how to get this if they want to. You know, Don's not paying me or anything like that. You know, what, what, how would people get a, a hold? It's of really that? just a passion project, right? Yeah, it, it's much like this not is for pay me. My bills, right? Sure. <laughs> I understand. But I can't believe there's not an inventory journal that you can purchase. So that walks you through. How would people get a hold of you? Is there a way to get a hold yeah, of you? Yeah, there's a journal? Facebook page and an Instagram page. And it's, it's called, called what? Sober Buzz. Because okay. you want to get the buzz out about 
being sober and, you know, those of us who love it. Okay, well, I will put a link to that also in the uh, the episode notes for this particular episode if people want to get a hold of you. Or you can email me, at John, J-O-H-N, at SoberSpeak.com, and I'll get that over to Don. I told you that there was another thing that I wanted to talk to you about, and that is that there is a line in the big book, which I saw this week and I absolutely love. And um, it says, our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. And it's very evident to me, Don, that that has, has happened in your life. And when you have people that ask you, what happened? How did, how did you change your life around? Um, what made you into the person that you are today? What had you changed your attitude and outlook upon life? What, how do you answer that question? I started working and continued working a program of recovery. And I think that's key is continue working it, right? Because like, the more I peel back these layers, it truly is like an onion or like a flower unfolding because the more work I do, the more my outlook on life changed, the more I show up to any situation in my life. And I want, I'm asking God throughout the day, how can I add to the situation instead of my own selfish needs? How can I be of service to others? How can I be more kind and loving and more understanding and less judgmental? And that has only happened for me by finding this program of recovery, but keep working it. So is there anything that you want to share before we close out with the Sober Speak audience that you may not have gotten out there already? I think it's so... I, I, I remember when you decided to start this podcast. It, you were at a clubhouse in the neighborhood I live in. That's correct. The Christmas before You were last. there that night. Yeah. And in fact, I remember you were talking to Greg on the phone. You were sitting out by the fireplace because Greg was at a... Uh, a seminar. I won't, I won't say exactly where he was attending a seminar place where he was helping with those seminars. Mm-hmm. And uh, but anyway, I remember you. Being but there yeah, so night. when you started, I thought that was cool. But man, the how much more I've gotten to know people that I thought I already knew, right? By listening to their sober speak podcast. But li- lately, I've had people reach out to me that I don't know that are also in recovery that heard me talk on Sober Speak that just said, hey, just have a question about something you said that have become friends, like, right? So I just love the way this has actually turned into a community. I know it started with you just with a lot of curiosity, right? And instead, it's turned into a community where we can truly learn so much more about each other and make a lot of new connections. Um, so I just think it's awesome. Well, thank you very much. And, and you're right. It has turned into a community, something uh, I, I, I just didn't anticipate. And, uh, you know, it's because of people like you. It really what it's done for me in my life, it is it has forged better relationships, uh, more mature relationships. I've gotten to know people at a deeper level. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I get with people like you. I get to sit here for almost an hour picking your brain about what's important to you and you know what means a lot to you and I just I've 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 thoroughly enjoyed the process and I feel uh, blessed by God that he's used me as a a a tool to bring together hopefully people in a community where they can support each other it's awesome all right so thank you Miss Dauncey for coming in today I do appreciate it God bless you and we'll see you soon I'm sure 
How about that Dawn C? She's got some good juju, does she not? It was so good to spend time with Dawn. If you want to reach out to Dawn or any of the other speakers that we have here as guests on Sober Speak, who I am so thankful for, please reach out to me and I can get the message to them. I'm at John, J-O-H-N, at SoberSpeak.com. All right, now on for a little additional what are we calling this this week? Listener feedback. I'm still calling it. Uh, uh, you know, I got to tell you, so I'm going to read some of the options I have here so far. Okay. So, uh, Christina wrote in and Christina said, sober speak back. Uh, and, uh, who, uh, Dave wrote in, he said, sober grams. Uh, he also said, sober speak back. That seems to be a popular one. John F said, sober logs. Uh, Christina gave me this idea. Sound backs. Uh, Alan says, uh, sober, uh, sobriety speaks feedback. Shanna says sober snippets, uh, speak back or talk back. No, speak back or back talk comes from Rachel. And then Catherine says, speak to me on sober speak. So I got to tell you, um, and you guys don't have to send any more suggestions. I'm I'm sorry. I got people still wrapped up with this. In fact, I didn't even mean to do that right then. That just kind of came off the cuff and I had it all here in front of me, but uh, because I wanted to keep it organized. But really, I wanted to give you what we're still calling listener feedback for this week. And who knows, we may change it. Nonetheless, I may stay with listener feedback. To begin with, we are going to start with a voicemail from Miss Casey A. Hey, John M. and Sober Speak. This is Casey A. How is everybody? I'm so glad to be a part of this group. Um, I would have had nine months sober um, on the 20th, but now I am two weeks sober after a brief relapse on June 9th. I'm doing well. I am attending more meetings. I'm in daily contact with my sponsor. I have relocated and I'm trying new meetings, which is a little difficult, but with the help of this group and the podcasts, um, it gets me to my next meeting. I'm so glad to have found this group. I am so happy for the encouragement in the group. And I love hearing everybody's sober stories. I love hearing about anniversaries. And I just love the fellowship of this. I don't think that I would be able to make it where I am without this group or without Alcoholics Anonymous. And I don't think that um, I would have stopped my relapse if I wouldn't have returned to a meeting the next day. So thank you, John M., Thank you to the group, and thank you for everything everybody has done for me. Thank you for all the support, and I wish everybody a wonderful 24. Bye-bye. Well, a wonderful 24 hours to you as well, Miss Casey A. I am so glad you called in. By the way, uh, if you're out there and you would also like to call in, you can either go to our website, www.soberspeak.com, click on the Contact Us tab, and there's a little microphone on the side of the page where you can record your message. Um, I also send it out of my emails, so if you're not on my email list, reach out to me. John, J-O-H-N-S-Overspeak.com, or uh, you can look in the show notes and there's a link to it. But Casey, I am so glad that you made it back in. 
Um, and if I am not mistaken, your sobriety date will be June 10th. And that, you probably know this, is the birthday of alcohol, the birthday or the anniversary or whatever you call it, of Alcoholics Anonymous. And um, so that is a pretty cool sobriety date to have. But uh, anyway, I'm glad you're back in. You got your you got your feet up under you. And I can tell you this also, Casey, that I personally was in and out for three years. And I don't recommend that to anybody. And it was the worst three years of my life. But I can tell you that the only thing that I did right, much like you, Miss Casey, was keep coming back in. And I know we went back and forth on uh, email. I know you're in the Wisconsin area. So I put you in touch with a friend of mine who is up there in the Wisconsin area. They should have reached out to you by now. If they haven't, just let me know. But hopefully somebody can help you get plugged in up in that area. All right. uh, Rachel writes in and she says, hi, John, I live in Las Vegas, Las Vegas, Nevada. And my sobriety date is May 23rd, 2017. I turn 45 very soon. So it took me a long time to find recovery, but what a blessing it is to have finally found it. I get the privilege of being my home group's GSR, and I have done my best to get it in, to to get in the middle of the herd. My goal is to make three to four meetings a week, but sometimes it doesn't work out that way. I have about an hour commute each way to work. So I was searching for a recovery podcast and I related to listen to on the way and I stumbled into AA pod into AA podcast and of course, Sober Speak. I butchered that, but hey, you get the idea. I have recommended it, so to speak, that is, to several people in the various groups that I belong to, and I am hopeful that others will enjoy it as much as I do. Keep up the great work. What a terrific way to be of service, Rachel. Well, thank you, Rachel. And you know, I my hats are off to the people like Dawn that come in here and uh, uh, give her their time and uh, and record their stories and record all their thoughts and, you know... I, I get to share that with other people, and I'm so grateful for that. Joe writes in. He says, John, I'm from Terra Hot. Is it Terry? Is it Terry Hot or Terra Hot? Indiana. Nonetheless, I found your podcast on iHeartRadio by searching sober on the podcast tab. I celebrated 18 months sobriety yesterday. The 20th, I have a great home group and support system, but your podcast has started filling a void in my travels. Keep on keeping on with six exclamation points. Well, thank you, Mr. Joe. Woo. By the way, he, the first time he wrote me, he signed it as blue. And so I asked him what the name blue meant. And he said, blue is just the nickname that my kids gave me. They said I ought to open a barbecue restaurant and name it Big Blue Smoke Shack. (laughs) Well, well, good luck with that. Uh, Maybe you could open up something next door to that uh, Bubba Shrimp Place from uh, Forrest Gump or something, whatever. I don't know what I'm talking about. but uh, uh, And you know what you could do? You could open up your barbecue place and just uh, pipe in Sober Speak uh, uh, audio (laughs) the whole time. Hey, about 10% of your uh, audience would like that. (laughs) The other 90% wouldn't. But hey, what the heck? Anyway, Corey writes in and he says, hey, 
I'm in, or he says, hello, I'm in Las Vegas, Nevada, much like, uh, I'm sorry, who was our previous caller or caller, like I'm on a radio show or something, uh, Rachel, much like Rachel. So anyway, Corey says, I'm in Las Wages, Nevada as well. I am not sober, Ooh, but thinking it may be time to take a look into starting a new direction in my life. I am pretty certain I have an unhealthy relationship with alcohol. I come from generations of addicts. I only recently started listening to Sober Speak. It is helpful to hear other people's stories and hear the similarities. I am looking at going to a meeting soon. I have young kids and I stay home with them. The hardest part about getting to a meeting is my schedule. I may try calling into a meeting that they offer here in town just to listen in. Another reason why I appreciate your podcast. Thank you for what you are doing. Sincerely, Courtney. Ah, Courtney, all kinds of thoughts are going through my head, but I just want to say this. I do hope that you get to a meeting soon. I appreciate you being vulnerable and writing in. I know you're not the only person that is in that space, and hopefully this will be helpful to you and to others uh, to make it through that door. Deborah writes in and she says, I, hi, John, I live near Manchester. I'm assuming that is Manchester, England. I didn't write back to find out for sure, but most likely it is. I think there's Manchesters here in the United States, but I'm sure it's Manchester, England. Anyway, hello, Deborah. We'll just assume that you are from the other side of the pond. She says, I gave up drinking a year ago. Um, that's a really bad accent, but I'll do it anyway. I gave up drinking a year ago after reading Jason Valve's book, but I thought I could have an odd beer or... (laughs) I'm sorry. Oh, gosh, gosh, gosh. Okay, let me me start over again. Deborah writes in, and Deborah says, Hi, John. I live near Manchester. I gave up drinking for a year after reading Jason Bale's book, but thought I could have an odd beer or Prosecco as it wasn't wine, which was my weakness. But soon enough, drinking has crept back into my life. Drinking till I fall asleep, not happy with just one. I have now decided to stop. I have brought the, quote, Unexpected Joys of Being Sober by Catherine Gray, which is mentioned in your Facebook group. Is this a closed group? Thanks, Deborah. So, first of all, Deborah, I did look up the Jason book, uh, Jason Bales, and I think he's a juicer. And uh, I, I'm, I'm glad that that got you to stop for a year. Um, it sounds like uh, it may be time to go to some meetings, but obviously I will leave that up to you. Uh, and I'm, I'm glad that you're reading these books. Um, I can tell you from personal experience, I read a lot of books, right? I read a lot of things like Think and Grow Rich. Um, I read uh, uh, Nowhere But Up or, or, or See You at the Top by Zig Ziglar. 
Um, I read a bunch of self-help books, and all of them were well-meaning people. But the only way that I personally got sober was by going to Alcoholics Anonymous and Alcoholics Anonymous, Alcoholics Anonymous meetings. Now, I know it's not the only way for people to get sober, but um, I do hope that you can experience that one day for yourself. And to answer your question, is the Facebook group a closed group? Now, I'm not a Facebook aficionado, and there's a lot of people who can explain this better than I can, but the Facebook group is actually a secret group versus a closed group. And this is how I understand the difference. A closed group, you can search for and you can find it and you can ask to be admitted to the closed group. In a secret group, you cannot search for it. You must be invited by somebody within the group already. Uh, And that is just for anonymity reasons. And I know that there are some other parameters that are set up around uh, uh, the the secret groups. And my friend Jim S. and my friend Cassandra can talk all about it. I've heard them talk about it. If you have any more questions, you just email me and I will get you in touch with them, Ms. Deborah. Uh, I'm at John, J-O-H-N, S-O-R-S-P-E-A-K.com. Simon writes in, and I got to tell you, every time I hear the word Simon or the name Simon, I'm always thinking that is somebody from Great Britain. But this Simon says, Hi, John, I am 48 years old and and am from Mesa, Arizona, just outside of Phoenix. I'm aware of Mesa, Mr. Simon. The Sober Speak podcast has been a great resource for me. I have been struggling with drinking for a few years now. I stopped drinking for a little over two months at the first of the year, but have since resumed. I know that I have a problem, but I've been hesitant to attend meetings thus far. I have even gone to a meeting and parked, but chickened out and left without going in. I have now been sober for a week and have been listening to Sober Speak as well as some other recovery podcasts. Thus far, I have not had any major consequences. However, I know drinking is harming my family life and causing me severe anxiety. I need to make a change. I hope that soon I will have the confidence to attend a meeting. Thanks for your podcast. It has been helpful. The stories shared through your Sober Speak have made a big difference in my life. Thank you, Simon. All right, Simon. Thanks for sharing. And I can tell you I have heard over and over inside the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous about people who have, quote, as you called it, chickened out uh, in the parking lot before going into an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. And uh, you won't, you're not the first, and I doubt you'll be the last. I pray, Simon, that you will have the willingness. I pray for all the people listening that want to make it into that room, that they will have the willingness to walk through those doors. You know, as we say in Alcoholics Anonymous, or really any of the 12-step recovery programs, if you don't like what we have, we'll gladly refund your misery. Just give us 90 days or so. Uh, just see what it's like. Nobody's going to hold you there hostage. It's not a cult. Um, you can leave anytime you want on your own free accord. Um, but we, you will hear lots of experience, strength, and hope in there of what has happened 
for the people that are inside those rooms. Anyway, that's it for this week, folks. God bless you. Um, Keep coming back. And when I say keep coming back, I mean keep coming back into the particular rooms of recovery that you are in. And I've always told people, if you have the ability between supporting me or supporting your local groups, please support your local groups. That's where the real recovery is happening. Love you. Have a good week. I'll probably be back next week. I always say one week at a time. Adios.